morning, church. Happy Resurrection Day. It's interesting, I put my cup down here and it just disappears. I'm not sure who does the dishes, but thank you for whoever does that. I appreciate that. It is good to see all of you here this morning. It's good to be together and to celebrate and know that after we leave this place, uh, God has prepared for us an incredible day out there. We come together for Resurrection Sunday. It's, it, it's amazing, and I shouldn't be amazed. It's God we're talking about, but how he works out. I, I kind of know what's going to take place, kind of, but I never know. And to know how through John's using of Matthew chapter 28, there, there's three other gospel accounts of the resurrection, but he chose that. To him using the Lord's Prayer, to Morris using the Lord's Prayer. And as I said in first service, if you remember uh, back in your elementary days or a, a while ago when I was in elementary, a short while, um, there, short while, yes, yes, short while ago, uh, teachers did repetition. You know, every day you did certain things. You said the Pledge of Allegiance, you said prayer, you did your multiplication tables, and so alphabet, and all those things over and over and over again. So I don't think we could ever do the Lord's Prayer too many times during a service. That was how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. And the more we know that, the, the more we pray that and feel that and understand that uh, the good thing uh, that comes our way. And so, but God works it all out. He just orchestrates from, from the special music to the worship team and to everything else. And on the Easter hymns, you know, we don't sing those hymns very often except for at Easter. So, man, we want to sing all the verses because before long we'll kind of put them aside and think we can't sing them anymore. And that's not true because we celebrate the resurrection every day of our lives. It has to be the central core and the central focus, not only of the church, but of our lives. We are the light. Jesus has shared with us the light that we go into the world and the story and the, the, the truths that we must tell stand firmly on the resurrection. The fact that the tomb is empty, that sin and death have been defeated, that is our message. And we must rise up to share that message. Now, I know in first service, I looked around and I said, I know, I can tell who was up late for the game last night. I wasn't. I heard, though, that it went into overtime. So not only were you up late, you were up really late. And I heard that it ended up in a buzzer beater, buzzer beater shot. And that's pretty exciting. That's how tournaments should be, Yes. Okay, so now stay awake with me, all right? All right, stay awake. If you would, bow your head with me. Father God, thank you for this Resurrection Sunday, for this celebration of your Resurrection Sunday. Father, let us never just make it about one day a year, but rather may it be the cornerstone of our very lives. May it be the cornerstone of this part of your body at East Union so that we would always Always be actively engaged in presenting the gospel message, the truth of your word, to the world. The tomb is empty. He is risen, just as he said. Father, now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts might be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Jesus, 
resurrected Christ's name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 28. When normally we speak of that chapter, the first thing that comes to our mind are the last two or three verses, which are the Great Commission verses. That's where we go to in Matthew 28. But I share with you this morning that the first part of Matthew 28 is extremely important as well. And so we're going to go into our Bibles. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. If you have your electronic ones, turn those on and and, um, slide through to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb, and quickly with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come up to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely accepted, widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. May God's blessing be upon the Matthew chapter 28 concludes with the Great Commission. But it begins in in the middle, talks of the resurrection that gave, literally gave the foundation to that which lent to the direction from Jesus in the latter part of Matthew 20. He is risen. He is risen. 
Verse 6, it says, He is not here, the angels said. He is not here, for He has risen just as He said. Just as He said. Matthew 28, one of the common things in the four Gospels in regard to the resurrection are this. Each of the Gospel tells of something completely unexpected. Despite the teachings of Jesus, His followers had no expectation that he would rise from the dead. The resurrection came as a wonderful surprise to them. Now we sit here and go, wait a minute, he told them. But understand, just like you and me, if we put ourselves in their place, there was so much going on. Their lives had changed on a dime. Every day was something new. In fact, during the day, so much was new for them as they followed their Savior. And so, yes, Jesus had taught them. He revealed to them. He prophesied to them. And yet still, understanding where they were, the resurrection came as a surprise, a wonderful surprise to them. There are three elements that are common in the four Gospels in regard to this story or to this account. One is the empty tomb is present. Two, the announcement of the resurrection to the women. And three, the meeting of the disciples with the risen one. The stone was rolled away, not that Jesus couldn't get out, but that the women could see in. Now, it's amazing, isn't it? The scripture talks about an earthquake. Well, the earthquake came because the angel came and caused this stone to be rolled away. Again, not so that Jesus could get out. He didn't need any gatekeeper. He had already risen and was gone. But the stone was rolled away in God's perfect plan so that these women coming to the grave could see that it was empty. Amazing. Put yourself in the position of these women. In the last few days, their lives had been turned topsy-turvy again. They had went through the depths of despair and now up into the mountains of not knowing what to think. They had come to the grave to pay their respects and to prepare to help with burial or any other preparations. And when they get there, the stone is rolled away. And that's not enough. There's an angel sitting on top of the stone, and he wants to talk to him. I'm not sure about you, but let's be honest. If it was you or me, I don't know if I'd still be standing and coherent. They had lived in the days before the crucifixion of one they loved, but beyond one they loved, one they were looking to, to be the Savior, to save them from that which they were embroiled in at that moment. They were looking to Him to be a king, literally, physically. And now, after seeing Him die a brutal death on the cross, And knowing that he had been placed in a tomb and a stone rolled, they came to pay their respects only to find out that that tomb was empty. And it's interesting here in these few verses, 
Let's dwell on them just a few moments to catch the fullness of what's going on. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. He knew they were afraid. So he wants to calm them down because he's got an important message to tell them. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. That would be enough also to to brighten their attention. How did he know? Then he says, he is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he is lying. We we center on the first part of verse 6 in the first few words. He is not here for he has risen. He has risen indeed, amen? But look at the next four, ver- four words. Just as he said. Hang on to those. Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away from him. He had already left the tomb. Jesus had already risen. Just as he said. Predictions that Jesus had made, apparently none of his followers had taken on or believed as they were spoken. Listen carefully. They were not facing a situation in which Jesus had undergone a totally unexpected fate and then experienced an unanticipated deliverance. Speaking of the disciples, let me say it again. They were not facing a situation in which Jesus had undergone a totally unexpected fate and then experienced an unanticipated deliverance. He had prophesied both his death and resurrection, and it was important that his followers should come to understand that the wonderful happening that had just taken place was in fact no more than what Jesus had prophesied during his life. What was living living out in front of them in the moments of all these occurrences should not have been a surprise. I believe it was a surprise just because of human nature and emotions and everything else. There was so much going on. They were being taught so much. They were trying to absorb so much that they couldn't think one minute ahead. Literally understanding what was taking place right before him that would not only transform their lives, but would lay the groundwork to transform the world for eternity. Let's look further in these verses away in the middle. The angel goes on. Now, if you, if you realize here, and we don't know a total grasp of time, but this is a conversation, so there's, there's not like a, hey, go get popcorn and Coke and come back, use the bathroom. This is one flowing conversation from the angel to these women. Look at what he says next. Understanding the turmoil they are mentally and physically in right now of not knowing what to feel. He then says in verse 7, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And their response, we see in verse 8, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to his disciples. Now grasp this, my brothers and sisters. Grasp this, church, what is taking place. These are no other than people just like you and me, set in a different time, in a different space, but part of God Almighty's eternal plan to bring about the salvation of all men. 
these were women just like, I won't say just like us, because I'm not a woman, but just like us, amen? Now think about this. They ran to the tomb, expecting to just pay honor because the tomb was the tomb and the stone was there. They only get there to find out that the stone is rolled away and angel's there, and then, by golly, the angel starts to talk to them. And in a few short verses or a few short sentences here, he unloads the gospel message on them. And what does he say? He tells them he's not here. He has risen. What? Just as he said, according to what Jesus prophesied. And then he goes on to say, hey, in other words, don't stand here. Go, how? Go quickly and tell his disciples. So he tells them, go quickly. And he tells them, tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going ahead of you. But he doesn't stop there in verse 8. They leave and he sees their obedience as they leave the tomb. How? With fear, they leave quickly. With fear and great joy. You can imagine. Just try to place yourselves there of all that is going on. Because this was not just a message for then. This is a living message as all scripture is for you and I today. We come today to celebrate the Resurrection Sunday. We come today, we call it Easter. We come today amongst lilies and special music and, and new clothes and so on and so forth to celebrate the risen Christ. But the message is the same for us as it was for the women. Now that we have heard the message, now that we know Jesus is no longer in the tomb, that he has risen from the dead, we must go. And we must go quickly. And we must tell when we go, and we should not keep it to ourselves, and we should go understanding that we're leaving in some fear, but we should leave with great joy because we have the message of salvation for the world, to be redeemed from their sins, overcome death, and live eternally with God the Father. Amen? And I did that all in one breath. Women went. They were obedient. Even in even as it says in fear. But with joy. Because whatever was stir in their soul, they knew was for eternity. And so they went quickly with fear and great joy. And when they got where they were supposed to go, they weren't quiet. They told. And they told again. And they told again, and again, and again, and again, and that's what we must do as well. Just as nothing new. You know, this Sunday marks 61 Easter's for me. 61, that's a lot. But I remember, I don't remember those first few. Mom and dad remember them better than I. But I remember a segment in there as a little boy. Now for those of you who are young or younger and a lot younger, you may not remember this, but way back when, it was the thing for Easter to get a new outfit. Boys and girls both. 
And I can remember one special Easter of getting a brand new suit. It was green. Not lime green. It was dark green. And it was a three-piece suit. For those that don't know what that means, that means a jacket, pants, and a vest. But it was even more. There were two pair of pants, and the vest was reversible. I was never so excited in all my life waiting for Easter to come so that I could put that suit on. There was no having to drag me out of bed that morning. And back then we had sunrise service. That was at 6, 6.30. Then you went and had breakfast. Then you stayed for Sunday school. And then you stayed for the next church. And then you went wherever for Easter lunch. I jumped out of bed and put that on. The biggest question that morning was not what I put it on, was which side to wear the vest on? 61 Resurrection Sunday. The story's the same. He is risen. The tomb is empty. He won over sin and death. The story's the same. I've heard it over who knows how many times. And yet today I look at us as the church, and not just East Union, but the church worldwide, and my heart is heavy burdened. Because we know the story. Maybe we know it too good. Such that we don't have that excitement to to one, go anyway, and to go quickly, and to go and understand we may be fearful, but we still go, and we should be joyful, and then we should tell the world, not just assume that they understand what this Sunday's all about. And to go beyond the measure is this. I believe we've fallen asleep. I believe the church has made the pillar of the church is the Sunday morning worship. When in essence, the very ground foundation of the church must be the fact that we hear the message that the tomb is empty, that the Savior has risen, and that He lives at the right hand of the, of the Father in heaven, that we go quickly, that we tell, we go with urgency, and we tell when we get there, and we go with fear. I'm fearful days when I have to, you know, you... You're standing in the line at McDonald's, and, this, and you hear God going, you need to talk to him about Jesus. Lord, I just need to get a McMeal and get out of here. No, you need to talk to him about Jesus. No, really, Lord, I, if it's not available, I'll take a number two. That's okay. You know, you're arguing with the Lord. We need to not only go quickly with urgency to tell the world that the foundation of the church is not the building or the Sunday in which we get together, but the foundation of the church is the fact that Jesus' tomb is empty, and that's the only empty tomb of all those so-called religious leaders out there. Amen? And we have that message, just like those women had that message. And they left. They were fearful. Good gravy. They could lose their life over all this. And yet they left in fear, but with great joy to spread the message that Jesus was not in the tomb. Folks, we need to do that. The worship service is important because it's the victory celebration and the pep session for the next week. It's the victory celebration for last week and the pep session for next week. But yet what takes place in the body of Christ must be what we do between those two times. By feeding people, praying for people, teaching people, sharing in relationships that we take the Bible to the world, that we, we live it in our lives so that people say this is real. 
that we keep preaching the empty tomb every day from this point on until we celebrate it again next Easter. We cannot lose our perspective. If we're doing what God wants us to do, this building would be empty. The body of Christ is doing what it's supposed to do. That's the message. Just as he said. But if, if this isn't enough, then I want to share with you before I close just a few things. If when I say, just as he said, isn't enough, and even though you see it in the Word of God, the Bible, you're kind of going, eh, whatever. I want to share with you something else. Jesus predicted that his words would be everlasting in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus predicted his words would be everlasting, just as he said, they're everlasting. Jesus predicted the story of Mary of Bethany, and guess what? The story of Mary and Bethany played out just as he said. Jesus predicted his own betrayal by one of his disciples. Guess what? Just as he said, it happened. Jesus predicted that all of his disciples would leave him. Guess what? It happened just as he said. Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him, not one time, not two times, but three times. And guess what? It happened just as Jesus had predicted, just as he said. Jesus also said he would suffer because of the religious rulers. Guess what? He suffered because of the religious rulers, just as he said. Just as he said he would die, he died in Jerusalem. Just as he said he would die by crucifixion, he died by crucifixion. In fact, today, in the studies that I have done, there is more historical evidence about his, his, all of his, the basis of Christianity, including his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection, than there is for all the classic literature that we hold so true. He predicted it happened. He said he would die during the Passover, it happened just as he said. He said his resurrection from the dead would be on the third day. It happened just as he said. He said that the coming of the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit would come. It happened just as he said. It continues to happen today just as he said. The destruction of the city of Jerusalem would happen within one generation. It happened just as he said. He said the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. It happened just as he said, and it's proven by historical facts today. So if you don't believe the Word of God, believe in that which proves itself out historically. And that's not just happenstance, my friend. He predicted that his people would be scattered, and they were scattered, and were scattered today. He predicted the Holy Land would be ruled by Gentiles. It happened just as he said. The Jewish people would be persecuted. It happened just as he said. Though persecuted, he said his nation, the nation of Israel, would survive. It happened just as he said. Not what Mark says. God says. It's interesting, again, I, as I spoke when I first began, how God puts everything together. After first service, Keith Wallace came forward and he goes, Mark, I just, I just got to tell you something. And I love it. I love it when people do that. He says, a year or he goes, some time ago, I did a communion meditation the Sunday after Easter. And I talked about how the... Um, the wrappings were not in disarray in the tomb. They were laying perfect. And folded at the top was the face cloth, nice and folded. And many of you have read this. There's, there's a thing out there called the folded cloth. And it, it's in reference to the 
the cloth that would have covered Jesus' face. But it, in the tomb, they found it folded perfectly. And the, the, uh, as Keith explained to me, reminded me, is that back in the day, when you needed to get up from dinner to maybe go outside and get a breath of fresh air or go to the bathroom or whatever the case is, one way that the servants knew not to take your dishes was to take your napkin and fold it and lay it. Then they wouldn't touch it. If you got up and kind of wadded your napkin and just placed it, your dishes were gone. And as Keith related his communion meditation to me, he goes, Mark, of all the things you said that he prophesied or predicted, just as he said, there was one more. Maybe the most. Jesus also said, I will come again. Bank on it. Just as he said.